Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is Doug Jones from Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, Hellboy 1 and 2, Hocus Pocus, Pan's Labyrinth, and Falling Skies. But today, you are listening to Genretainment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment at SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. Genretainment is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, books, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. This is episode 116, and we are chatting with Ben Edlund, the creator of the Tick TV show and comic book series. Now, before we did this interview, I realized that Edlund is probably one of my top 10 favorite TV writers right now. Not only did he bring us the first incarnation of the live-action Tick TV series in 2001. Which was awesome! (laughs) But he's also written many excellent episodes from TV shows like Supernatural, Mm -hmm. Firefly, Angel, uh, Revolution, and Gotham. Mm -hmm. And now he has created a pilot for a new version of a live-action Tick TV series, which is on Amazon. Now, you can go to watch it right now for free and vote for it to be turned into a full season, and hopefully many more seasons past that. So, listeners, go watch it and vote for the Tick. (laughs) Yeah, The Tick's always one of those TV shows on like any list I think of for a show that ended too soon. Yes, and really was not treated fairly. Yeah, Just I, saying. Yeah, and so it's awesome to see Amazon giving Ben Edlin a second chance at a live-action series. You know, we get to talk with Ben about his plans for the show and how different from the first incarnation and, and so much more. Now, we did have a bit of an odd delay, technical difficulties, uh, during the conversation, which made for some confusion at times, but... Thankfully, we were able to get Ben Edlin back. He was a wonderful, wonderful interviewee mm-hmm. and um, a lot of fun to talk to and very informative. So um, mm-hmm. before we get started with the interview, we should point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality on Demand. It was a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. And you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now let's get started with our interview with Ben Edlund. Spoon! All right. Well, we're big fans of yours and of the Tick, so we're really anxious yes. to learn more about it, about this new uh, incarnation of the series. Great. So let's get started. So how does this incarnation of the live-action series differ from the previous one? Which we loved, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, uh, in many ways, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's very obviously similar. It has a big blue man at the center of it. Um, uh, I'd say, you know, there were very important departures to be made in terms of tone and in terms of story from the previous live action to now. Tonally, it just became apparent to me living with that live action show for the last 15 years that... My equivalent is, the, it's like, my, my example is, um, there's the Naked, Gun, uh, the Naked Gun movie series with Leslie Nielsen, uh, the, right. the Zucker Brothers series. When they made that a TV show, when it was Police Squad, there was something about that show that 
was impossible to watch for more episodes than it was on the air. I think it ran for six episodes, and it was so joke-forward and so humor-intensive, like Airplane or like The Naked Gun, that there was no room to breathe its own story or to care about its characters or to build into the plight of the characters. It left you nowhere to go in the seventh episode or the eighth or the tenth or the 14th or the 50th. And that was something that the Tick previous live action, I think it was, it was beautiful in its way and had great cast and Patrick's amazing and all the supporting folks mm-hmm. are amazing. And we wrote our asses off to try and be funny about superheroes, but it was not a story that you could get into and care about. And that's the crucial difference. And that's what required the most re-engineering or new engineering. Um, for this this new thing. I don't know. We still are always quoting it, and we always talk. I get migraines, and I'm like, you'll make the brain baby kick. (laughs) Awesome! Yeah! The worst candy ever! (laughs) No, I I mean, uh, no, it's full of stuff, and I want that. I want, you know, the the richness of language and quotable things. (laughs) Yeah! Who puts gum on a roof? A secret message from my teeth. Um, yeah, no, like, uh, <laughs> that's not going to go away. It's just that where the previous version just sort of started the show and said, okay, let's turn on the faucet. <laughs> and then at the end of 22 minutes, we'll shut off the faucet of this humor. What I want now is an integrated story universe that is the only humorous superhero universe that you're licensed to care about. You have <laughs> are, to be are you licensed saying there's going to be more so overarching story or like not so much episodic, yes. but okay. Well, I mean, yeah, in a way it'll be a, a combination of both in that I, uh, I don't want it to, it's not like a lot of these shows get one storyline caught in their teeth and then it's just us versus them for whatever episodes. That's not what this will be. It's just that there are deep overarching storylines and an overarching purpose for the show. I have a five-year plan. I have a a novel I want to write on on TV screens about the dumbest subject ever. (laughs) Well, you have two people here who will be with you all five years. (laughs) Cool. Um, I mean, that's what, I think it could be fun. Now there's such good visual effects and such uh, achievable artistry, you know, I mean, like to have a a toy box like that and be able to just have fun with what is otherwise choking us. I mean, the superhero saturation is beyond, it's sort of like Trump's election. It's beyond funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the difference with that is you can't write that shit. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so crazy, though, right? I mean, like, this. did you ever imagine we would have this amount of superhero saturation, this number of ruminations? No, it's very much like when Westerns really swept television and movies for, you know, an era, and just about everything, you know, was in Western. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned, oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> the delay's killing me. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, just the, that that is actually true. Because you can't, 
there aren't the sub-trends that we marked before this, which you might call there was a vampire trend that was pretty powerful, mm -hmm. there was a zombie trend that felt pretty, like, you know, forceful. They're nothing compared to this. This is the right. zeitgeist wearing a cape, you know. Um, <laughs> and Captain Zeitgeist. Prior to that, it was um, Westerns. So what was yeah. the cultural uh, communal expression of the Western that we could not get over our, out of our heads? It probably had something to do with wish fulfillment fantasy of, could we just forget the World War II thing? <laughs> yeah. Go back yeah. to our own personal frontier. Um, and also, what is the cowboy but lone, back. wounded man? Yeah. He's a lone, yeah. wounded man. And what was the male... Uh, like presence post-World War II. It was the undiscussed woundings, you know, like um, right. that separated all men from their families. All that shit had to be processed. So what are we processing now that makes superheroes the color beige? <laughs> That's a very good question, actually. Um, you, you didn't mention about, you kind of started a touch on this, about the difference between, you said that so much is available now in terms of uh, help visual me. effects. Yeah, visual yeah. effects. And, you know, the animated series and the comic book had no budget concerns, really, when it comes to bringing the story to life. I know there are, but you can really draw a bunch of crazy crap. You know, um, what challenges have you faced in bringing this world to the live action arena? Oh, every single one. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the costumes are mind-blowingly expensive, um, and... And comfortable, uh, I'm sure. What's that? And very comfortable, I'm sure, I say sarcastically. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Oh, does that rubber ever breathe? Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't ever breathe. Uh, yeah, I think, um, many things are achievable. Many things that were very difficult are effortless, practically, and so there are things like backgrounds and, I mean, a lot of things that allow you to do things that would be, there's a lot that's achievable. It's still very expensive, but I do feel like the proper choices per episode can be made to really, because I think a lot of times we get caught up in these patterns of like where the visual effects are coming. You're going to need, Oh, it's a superhero thing. Then they, the, we're going to have to have a bunch of super special effects that are based around the combat. We did some of that, but really where I spent most of my special effects money in the pilot was like blowing an asteroid up over Siberia or um, like having a, a, a jet full of jingoistic heroes crash on a guy just weird. I think I'm rambling right now, but uh, um, like ultimately, chaw on the moon, maybe a bite on the moon, chaw. Uh, uh, will we ever sure. see a live action chairface? Chairface Chippendale. Will we ever see a live chair action face? version of him in series? <laughs> this is a, that's a good question. Not in the first season, that's for sure. Um, uh, uh, I would say Aww. that it's possible, but that becomes a question of what is this universe like? I want weird-ass things to happen, weirder in this universe than allowable in any other superhero universe in live action, because of course you are what we really know about superhero <laughs> culture is it gets... What, what's that? I said, well, of course it'll be weirder right. than anything. You're Ben Edlund. <laughs> ah, yes. 
We've got that going for us. I've got, I get that every morning by waking up. Um, so that much is free. And then the visual effects will be costly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, they, but the thing is that it's not that they don't cost money. It's just that they're so beautiful and effective that you really, with the right engineering, can approach some vistas and some breadth of um, imagination that, you know, might parallel the comic books and the, the cartoons. It's just, I don't know if you, are, if you remember Green Acres, but uh-huh. they had a way of making jokes that were special effects. Um, they had a pig that was sentient, and they had a crazy guy who would, like, paint, you, who would invent paint that could change colors. And, like, I mean, like, I think a lot of the shit that we're going to get away with is going to be conceptual and then supported by elegant touches of technology, such as we can uh, marshal today. Interesting. Now, was there any attempt to uh, have any of the original cast return, or was that really never on the table? Because we loved them, by the way. It was, I'm sure we'll love the new people, too. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, I mean, initially, uh, we went around with Patrick. It was me, Patrick, and mm-hmm. Ray Joseph, and Patrick Warburton. And he's still a producer on the show, and he is going to be in our show, uh, collectively mm-hmm. our show, including his. Um, but what we came to find over the three-year development period with um, Amazon is that what I was starting to talk about, what we were all starting to talk about, was so profoundly a new thing and so profoundly the new era's iteration of this thing that it was confusing to its intent to have a vestige of the old thing as its core. You know, um, that is that Patrick has made an indelible permanent impression as the tick, and people love that. I, I, I do too, but this is a new version and he's going to be in it but he's going to play a character who's a commentary <laughs> on no. his reality <laughs> as it relates to the day. that's great so, so what is um, that difference then uh what different take on the tick does the actor and i hope i hope i'm saying his name right peter serafinowitz is it i peter say that right yeah <gasps> i was um, close it, no, it ends, I'm sorry. It, uh, I was just going to say that it ends like sandwich. Okay, Sarah Finowich. Um, yes, that's my understanding. What different take on the tick does actor Peter Serafinowicz give compared to Patrick Warburton? There is a through line that I feel is a kind of a connection that they all share. I think Townsend and Patrick, Townsend Coleman, who did the cartoon, Patrick Warburton and um, Peter they have a kind of a shared continent of powerful voice, ability to present larger-than-life dialogue in a way that somehow you just feel like they own it. And <laughs> then each, each one has a different kind of expression of those things. I mean, I feel like with Patrick, we felt an incredible intensity of his like, joie de vivre and a sense of, like, a childlike wonder, you know, mm-hmm. and um, that exists with all of these versions. I think one of the things that Peter has brought to it, and that's partly in the writing, but it's also just in his his sort of uh, the span of comedic strength that he has. He's more he's dangerous 
the tick is dangerous. <laughs> He's a little dangerous hey. to Arthur. He's a little potentially dangerous to what you might call reliable narration. Um, <laughs> like he's, a, he's arguably a parasitic figure. In every iteration, he meets Arthur, moves mm. in, and never moves out. He never pays rent. Mm. He never actually asks Arthur what he wants after he meets him. <laughs> um, he's sort of like a like Sheldon Cooper <laughs> from Big Bang Theory. Really, yes. <laughs> He is a very, um, it's a questionable, uh, like, uh, figure. And it's, the the show generally has had such, uh, it's always been kind of in love with the tick and just let all the other figures fall where they may. That's still kind of the case. But, like, here at least the show sort of looks at it and you sort of, and Peter helps us with this. Sometimes you're not sure if he just might eat Arthur. <laughs> you might love him so much you might just eat him or something. You know, I mean, it's it is a... Exactly. <laughs> There's something to me, and this was something that was very much alive in the cartoon, um, and in some ways in the... Uh, not in the cartoon, in the comic book. It was very much alive in the comic book, and the cartoon was a sort of a process of freeing itself from a little bit of the danger that was cultivated in the comic book where the tick kind of had some spectrum qualities and a feeling of like he wasn't exactly connecting with Arthur's well-being. It was a relationship that had some areas to explore in terms of how it functioned. All of that is very much alive in in Peter's interpretation Um, uh, and uh, he's got an incredible um, sort of comedic timing and a, um, a, a sort of a, a facility of voice where uh, it's, it's been a great, you know, uh, pleasure to watch him don this, this creature. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel like uh, one of the sort of, it's both the same and its own sort of freestanding interpretation Um I am in love with Peter in a way that is, um, it's funny because now I have had three uh, love affairs with men. <laughs> um, no judgment here. Watching, yeah, it's really platonic, really. But I mean, like, ultimately, in each case, watching them kind of meld with this figure. And in each case, I feel like we've actually landed the ideal person for the job. And that's crazy because this is a very it's a very weird character to set out and try to cast. I imagine. How, how did you and Peter uh, kind of connect about this character? Well, we had gone many, many different places, um, and we were in a very much a casting frenzy that was increasing because the build time on the suit was such that we were starting to get into a crunch period. So we mm-hmm. had to cast it in order to be able to cover the actor in the actual skin of the character. So very high pressure. People... His name had blown through the halls at one point, and no one can quite remember why <laughs> it didn't no. exactly stick. I think someone might have said something, you know, because this happens all the time. Someone said, oh, probably maybe one person said not available at a time where we just moved on quickly. But then it turned out to be uh, not true, a myth. And um, very toward the, it's always the last place you look, someone floated his name again. And then uh, I started to, I had known of him and was, uh, I respected his comedic strength, but did not know the depth of his power. 
and did not know that he's just a, a, a kind of a British comedic treasure who has done, I, didn't, I did not know about Look Around You, which is an incredible British comedy series that he co-created. Or his own show, Peter Serafinovich show, which ran, I think, for a season, um, but just shows him incredibly flexible, versatile, beyond belief, and just hmm. like, flawless impersonations of Kevin Spacey and Michael Caine and um, uh, other folks. And just, I don't know if you've seen his, um, he does these uh, really amazing, he will take a section of Donald Trump doing a speech <laughs> and then just re-record exactly what Donald, Donald Trump says but with Liberace's voice. And it <laughs> oh, my God. You have to look at these. Just type in YouTube, type in Peter Serafinovich or Serafinovich Trump. And, okay, uh, I look cannot at any of the sassy Trump. Look up sassy Trump. And sassy it changes Trump, Trump okay. into a hairdresser. Uh, every one of them, I mean, like a, like a classic effeminate hairdresser with all of the – his gestures are – not in any way masculine. It's just that no, no one realizes it. Um, oh, no, it's I realize very it. Peculiar. Yeah. You realize it. You and Peter Serafinovich, check it out. But he, um, he is <laughs> already on the tip, but this will just allow you to, uh, along okay. with someone, yep. instead of feeling alone in the universe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll definitely check it out. I'll put a link to it on the, on the yeah. show notes, too, uh, and on our um, So. I will. Um, one, one last question. Yeah. Um, well, one character that was in the, the, the series I know was in the comic book, or I know there was a character kind of based on character, was Batman Well. Batman Well. Is there, <laughs> there going to be a version yeah. of that character in this pilot? Will there be a Batman Well? <laughs> um, not in the pilot. Um, um, you know, uh, killing us. Because uh, in the, uh, one of the issues I had one of the difficulties with the live action previously was it just, it had sort of taken on the obligation to be a four person story too soon. Uh, I, I would have I liked those characters, but it was like we had to shove them in there versus like, Oh, here's the episode where you meet Batman. Well, he's got some problems. <laughs> uh, looks uh, like he's not going anywhere. He's going to stay with us. You know, like, um, so I'm slowly introducing the world to itself and the pilot encompasses the tick and Arthur and, and the terror and a kind of a tentpole superhero of the world called Superion and then variety of other things. But like um, we pretty much maxed out how much shit we could in, introduce in the first one. When it comes to Batman, well, that's another question again of like how far I can stretch puns into the live action universe and <laughs> how much and what that means. So in this world, if a guy names himself Batman, well, the rest of the universe doesn't just ignore that he did the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> that one's a little too <laughs> dumb for like Arthur Tanako. I'm sorry, what? What's your name? <laughs> Manuel. Uh, uh, you mean like a bat and a man and then Manuel? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> They are, right? uh, and then he would be probably a brain-injured man with a lot of money <laughs> who doesn't realize how dumb he is, you know, and just, so we'd have to just ground it one more degree and we can get away with it, but it's the requirement of the universe to treat those pieces differently and translate them, if you know what I mean. 
So yeah. you're going to let them sort of organically over the course of more than just the pilot start to introduce these other characters and have them incorporated into their lives and the storyline is what you're saying. Totally. And that each okay. one will come in with a job, you know, um, okay. be it just to be funny, but also to advance the larger themes and stories. And yeah. So um, I want to have all the fun I can, but I feel like <laughs> I also feel like by season three, uh, the tolerance for that kind of pun language will increase because we will all be, you know, comfortable in that world and trust that it mm-hmm. has story conscience and it really means what it says and that things matter, then we can start to have more fun if we trust that. But it can't be right mm-hmm. out of the gate or I think a lot of people who don't know what this is are just going to be uh, too easy. It'll be too easy for them to write it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, for one, am just so excited to watch this and um, want to go ahead and let everyone know about where and when they can catch the new yes. series. Please. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I was going to have you make do it that. As it's more clear as possible. Uh, yes, for uh, tomorrow. Uh, yes, it premieres on Amazon Prime. And uh, everyone, you don't have to be a member to vote. You can just tune into the website and the banner. It's going to be pretty forceful advertising its pilot season, which has three different um, offerings, of which the pick is one. And uh, I would urge everyone to watch it all the way through. That's the only way it counts. And then vote. You have to give feedback and vote afterwards, or the act of watching does not add to our potential returning as a series. Oh, okay. okay. Thank you for letting us know about so, that. So August 19th, and everyone vote so we can see some more tick. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yes, if you want this. If you want a piece of this. <laughs> if you want a piece of this, you got to vote. Well, it's starting to sound like an election thing again. Yeah. Uh, and one, one last thing. Real quick. Vote right in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for chatting right, with us. Yes, thank you. And we just yeah. were so excited about talking with you. We not only love the tech, but have loved your work in uh, Supernatural and Angel and just everything. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was great to talk to you. Yeah. I appreciate right. it, guys. Thank you for helping us get the word out. Well, oh, thank for sure. you. It was our pleasure. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. You have a good day. Uh, have an excellent day. Hi, I'm John Rogers. I created the show Leverage and wrote Transformers, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, thanks to Ben for chatting with us. And don't forget the Tick Pilot premiered on Amazon just a few days ago in the U.S., U.K., Germany, Japan, and Austria. So if you're interested in the superhero comedy or you're a fan that wants to see a full series, then you need to hurry up, click on over to Amazon to watch and vote on the pilot. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to have an Amazon Prime account to do it. Yes. So everyone listening, go out and vote for the Tick. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, your vote counts. Now, coming up in future episodes, we will be speaking with Kathy Fong Yoneda. She's the author of The Script Selling Game, a Hollywood insider's look at getting your script sold and produced. Troy Devald, author of Reality TV, an insider's guide to TV's hottest market. Chris Fox, author of 5,000 Words Per Hour, Write Faster, Write Smarter, Now, and the hit sci-fi book series, um, The Void Wraith Trilogy, in which she wrote the first book in 21 days. <laughs> and it's pretty good. I, I'm a big fan of that. that ah, that's very impressive. And we are just warming up on a batch of a whole bunch of new episodes. Um, but before we go, we want to remind you that you can always keep track of us by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher, or by following our Genretainment Facebook page, Marks's Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marks, our website at genretainment.com, or you can follow all of the shows at sci-fipulseradio.com. 
We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Genre Entertainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions. Until, Until next, next time. time. Spoon! Spoon! Bad monkey. <laughs>